As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me to First Peter, chapter one. Let me get through. Yeah. Feel my way. <laughs> Thank you. Come here. Peace. I thought Reggie was coming to hug me. He says, "Can you get out of the way? I'm going through." You know, <laughs> just feel the love. You know, and some of you all took a little bit advantage of telling one another your dirt. Uh, you know, I, I saw more excitement there sometimes in the peace exchange, but. Uh, uh, isn't it great to know that, yes, we are full of dirt, but you know, in God's grace, the way he sees us, we're full of glory because we're full of his son. We're going to see that today, an incredible, incredible passage before us. This morning we look at 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16, and we're going to take a bit of a turn this morning. Uh, the first 12 glorious verses of 1 Peter, uh, Peter tells us who we are. Peter describes for us of who we are in God's eyes, and He's going to tell us things like we are chosen aliens, that we're aliens in this world, but we're, we're called by God, that, that he has sprinkled us clean with the blood of Christ, that he has caused us to be born again, that he has filled us with a spirit, that God, through the work of his own son, has given us an inheritance which will never perish and will never fade away. And he tells us of this love that he has for us that even the prophets were longing to hear about and longing to hear about the redemption of man and how God would send his own son. And this love that God has for us, as we looked at last week, even angels are longing with envy to look and to stoop and to look at this love for God, for sinners like us, dirt like us, so that we can become obedient children. Well, he tells us who. And now he's going to take a turn. He's going to change his language and his tone a little bit more. And he's going to tell us more of what. What God is calling us to do. And as a matter of fact, Peter in verse 13 is going to start off with a therefore. And it's basically therefore as an explanation of, hey, we're turning here. Uh, God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been speaking through Peter. He's been painting a picture that is unbelievably glorious for dirtballs like us. And now he says, therefore, and there's going to be a call. There's going to be a call to action that we see. There's going to be a call to obedience. There's going to be a call to holiness. There's going to be a call here for God who's going to call and tell us, hey, you're mine. I've purchased you with a price. I've separated you. And I want you to be like me. I want you to reflect my character. I want you to reflect my qualities. Recently, Jesse came in, our oldest, a 16-year-old, came in um, from school. And she said, you know, Dad, I, I ran into someone. They said, you are the exact replica, uh, representation of your dad. You, you are exactly like your dad, and, which I apologize to her. So I'm sorry, honey. But, you know, clearly not exactly. I, I hope my 16-year-old daughter isn't a 40-year-old man, you know. But uh, I think what they were seeing in my daughter was certainly a physical resemblance and maybe uh, some character resemblance of reflection. And, you know, to be honest with you, it really just kind of made my heart patter that, that someone can see in my child a reflection of dad. And, and really, that is what P uh, Peter is calling us to, is, is this reflection of the Father. Uh, we're going to read God's holy and errant word today, verses 13 through 16 in 1 Peter 1. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Keep sober. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, or as children of obedience, 
Do not conform to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let us pray. Father God, the one that you have called to preach this text, apart from your love and your grace and your work of your Son, is far from holy. So Father, be merciful. God, we ask that you would do that which only you can do, that you would be pleased to speak through a broken sinner who desperately needs to hear the message in which he's preaching. God, we don't need to hear my words. We don't need to hear my opinions. We need to hear from the God who is, the God who's holy, the God who lives and works and who reigns on high. So God, would you come with power through the spirit of your son? And would you open up our ears to hear from you? And God, would you open up our minds to understand what you have for us today in this call to action? And, and God, would you open up our hearts because they're callous and, they're, and, they're, and sin has, has calcified them? And God, would you break them apart again today graciously? And, and Lord, so we can embrace this. And Father, would you empower our feet so we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of the one who has called us, worthy of the one whose son has shed his blood for us, worthy of the one who makes his home inside of us and calls us a temple. Father, the things that are said that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. The things that are true, the things that contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Peter's going to tell us first who, who we are, and now he's going to tell us what, what we are called to do. You know, and, and the first call he has is he's going to call us to action. He's going to call us to readiness. He's going to call us to prepare our minds. It's kind of a, a apropos on this Sunday morning, where those of you who are basketball fans, something major happens today. It's the, uh, it's the selection of the big dance, the big tournament. And uh, teams throughout, 64 teams throughout the country will get a bid to participate in this national championship pursuit. And you'll hear coaches throughout this land say, okay, guys, lace them up. Lace them up. We're going to make a run. Lace them up. We, we, we have a chance for greatness. And no matter if it's a Cinderella or it's one who's seated number one, the call will be, be ready. Lace up your shoes. Get going. That's what Peter is today. Peter's going to be our coach. He's going to tell us in the locker room. He has told us who we are. And now he's going to basically send us out there and say, go get them. And as you go get them, there's a call to action. Be ready. Uh, the way it's translated here is prepare your minds for action. Very interesting in the original here. In the original it is this. Gird up the loins of your mind. Hmm. Gird up the loins of your mind. It's a, it's a motif that runs throughout Scripture. Uh, this girding up of your loins. Especially uh, uh, in biblical times where they wore a garment that would really not be conducive for any running would not be conducive for any working, for any service at all. If they were to perform a task, the first thing they had to do was get ready for the task. They had to tie their sandals, so to speak. But they also had to gird up their loins so that they were able to work, so that they were able to move, so they were able to be proactive. And here, 
Paul uses a metaphor, and by the way, it's Elijah who will gird up his loins and run before Ahab's horse. Jeremiah, when he's hearing from the Lord, is getting be called to action. And Jeremiah 1, I think it's 17, is told, gird up your loins. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 12 is going to tell us to be ready. He's going to tell us and call us to gird up our loins, to get ready. There's a call for action throughout Scripture. It'll be Paul who will say it this way as he's talking about us putting on the full armor of God that we need to gird up our loins because there's a battle to be fought and there's a race to be run. And God's people are called to action. And Peter's going to say what we got to do, it begins with our mind. It begins with the renewing of our minds. Don't let your minds hang loose. It's interesting, uh, uh, Spurgeon has a quote uh, regarding this passage, and he says this, Men's religion seems to hang loosely around them. Men's religion seems to hang loosely around them as if it doesn't fit them. Now let me ask you, go with me for a minute here. Uh, Spurgeon says men's religion kind of hangs loosely as if it's going to fall off. What do you think of in today's day and age? Genes of a teenager. You got it. Uh, do, they, do they not hang loosely about them and you're just waiting for the next step and like, oh no, they're going to they're gonna crash right down. I mean, how can they be comfortable? How can they do anything? I mean, who in the world came up with that as a style? I don't know. But it's, it's the call to don't let your morals hang loosely. Don't let your faith hang loosely. I'm blaming it on the 60s, Reggie's generation, for that hang loose kind of mentality. (laughs) But God is not calling us to to hang loose. He's he's calling us to renew our minds. He's calling us to action and focus. Really, the imagery here, too, is, is pretty beautiful. I mean, remember last week we talked about the unity of one story of God's story? Remember that last week we were blown away that the prophets told the same thing through the Spirit of Christ? that the apostles told, that Jesus himself told as he had the Spirit fall upon him. But you know what the imagery that Peter's really using here is a Passover imagery. I mean, in the Passover, you're, you're going to have those who are, who are leaving slavery and heading to the promised land. And what are they called to do? They're called to gird up their loins. They're called to be in haste to go forward in action. And here is Peter who's going to show us the glory of Christ to come. Listen, we've been set free from slavery of sin. We're moving home. Therefore, gird up your loins. It's an incredible imagery. It's also an interesting thing I I read this week about this was, this is how a servant should serve a superior. A servant should serve a superior, not with their, 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 their gowns flowing all over the place. They should be all girded up, sleeves rolled up, ready to serve. They're in that posture to serve. And it's a beautiful picture of who we are. In God's eyes, listen, as you serve me, gird up those loins of your mind and be a servant. Really, to me, it's Christ-centered thinking. It's it's what he's he's calling us is this. Don't let your mind just go loosely with the world. I mean, focus on, on my son. Focus on the centrality of the cross. Focus on your entire being on Jesus Christ. And as you see the world, see them through the glasses of my son. See them through the gospel. And therefore, gird up your mind and for an entire different way of living. He also says, be balanced or be sober uh, is, is the translation. Um, you know, maybe it would be lace them up. You ever, you ever try to lace up uh, a shoes that had knots in them? 
It's very difficult to do. I mean, it's very frustrating. You can't get those nice bows, you know, and you can't pull it tight because there's those knots that get in the way. And so what is the first thing you got to do? The first thing you have to do is untangle the knots, you know, and, and, and in a way that, that you were, were, were not being entangled by the world. I mean, the call here from Peter is to be sober. Don't, don't have your feet underneath you. Basically, lace them up. Get ready to go. Stay on balance. Have your feet underneath you. And don't be entangled. Don't let the world knot you up. It has a propensity to do that, doesn't it? Even in the way we think, even in our minds, it's, it's basically saying, you know, don't let the world not up your mind be balanced to be in that position okay blame it on the NCAA but another basketball imagery I'm sorry for those of you who aren't basketball fans but when you're training to be in basketball they say they put you in a triple threat position does anybody know the triple threat position a couple of you all were brave enough to admit it it's basically you're ready to move you have balance You've girded up your loins. You, 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 you've really, you're ready to go and move freely about. You have balance underneath you. You're ready to, to, to dribble, to shoot, or to pass. You're in that triple threat position. And this is what Peter is calling us. He's saying, I want you to be ready for action. You need to be balanced. Get, get the world out of your mind. Be sober. Don't want to knot you up. I mean, gird up the loins of your mind. Transform the renewing of your mind. You know, uh, don't, don't behave in the way you have in the past. No knots. And then it says this in 13, which is amazing under this call to action. Uh, Be hopeful. It says this, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's Peter's audience lived differently than I live. You know, they had this hope in a future that that maybe in our, our, our Western mindset, I mean, I have a hard time hoping much beyond tomorrow. Do you? I mean, really, I'm just hoping that I can get as much stuff sometimes here. But they, they, they lived with an eschatological or end view hope that was pulling them forward. It was interesting because by grace they had all that they had received. And by grace they were who they were before God's eyes. But they were longing for more. They were looking for God to provide them even more. And it was future grace... It was who they would become, we'll see that in a few minutes, that was pulling them on. You know, it's interesting to me, too, because what are they asking for in this revelation of Jesus Christ? They're, they're asking for the second coming. I mean, they're asking for that time where he doesn't come as a baby, he comes as king, he comes as judge. Did you ever grow up in your home and did you ever hear these words? Just wait till your dad gets home. You hear those words? I mean, it's kind of like your mom. Maybe you were in the teenage years and, and she couldn't physically uh, do what she once could do. And, and then she, she threw that banner over you. Just wait till dad gets home. And for the rest of the day, you sat in fear. Uh, what is going to happen when father arrives and he hears of the mischief in which I've been partaking? It's amazing for God's people to long for his returning and not fear this, this, this God of holiness that's going to come and who's going to judge. How in the world can we long for that? The only way we can is we understand who we are in Christ. And we understand we will be like him. It's, it's not a fear like, oh no. They couldn't wait for Jesus to arrive, for them to be all that God had promised them to be. In verse 14, there's a call to obedience. He, he actually calls us children of obedience. 
Children of obedience by grace. Listen, we are not children because of obedience. Let's get this really clear. It's a really important point. We are not children because of obedience. With a little asterisk. We'll get to that in a minute. We are a children of God because of God's grace in the work of his son. It's not because of our work, but yet he calls us the children of obedience. You know, I got to tell you, I, I read this this week and I pondered on it. I thought, it's not me. Am I really a child of obedience? Is that the title that God has for me? Hey, he knows the truth. He knows I'm a child of wandering. He knows I'm a child of sin. How in the world could he call me a children or, or call us children of obedience? It reminded me in middle school, uh, back then junior high, uh, when I somehow mistakenly brought home Greg Orlando's report card. Greg now is a medical doctor. Uh, Greg always got good grades. Uh, he, he, one of those kids he really didn't like because he was tall, he was good looking, he was athletic, and he was smart. Had all those things going against him. And somehow I, I brought home his report card, and, and, and I don't know how I did it, but my parents saw it, and you know, and, and they got it, and the first thing they do, they started looking at it, and their eyes are getting bigger and bigger. Oh my goodness, hey, hey, high, high honors. This is incredible. Put this on the refrigerator. We've never seen a report card like that. <clears throat> Did you look at the name? Greg Orlando. You know, there's a, there's a report card that God has on his refrigerator with our picture on it. That is children of obedience only by God's grace in the work of his son. We're only children of obedience because God the Father sees us having been cleansed with the blood of the Lamb, His own Son. He sees us as cleansed. He sees us as clothed in His righteousness. In in God's incredible economy, He took our sin and made Jesus sin, took Jesus' perfection and holiness and made us righteous and holy. And now He calls us children of obedience. That is who we are. That is forever who we will be. Only in Christ. And it's an incredible picture of who we are in Christ. And it's incredibly gracious. And therefore, we put off the old self. I mean, he's calling us because of this, because you are obedient children, because of the picture of who you are in Christ. Do not conform anymore to the former lusts which lived in you when you were in ignorance. And really, we can hear Paul. We can hear Paul through Romans chapter 12. Say something very similar. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And listen, don't be conformed anymore to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There again is a mind. I mean, Paul had the same thing Peter had. Gird up your mind. So you will be able to prove that the will of God, what the will of God is, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for our lives. There's, there's this call, and, and Peter would, or Paul would say it this way in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, it says this, that in reference of your former manner of life and the way that you used to live, that we are to lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And that we need to be renewed in the spirit in our minds and put on the new self, that new creation that we receive in Christ, which is the likeness of God has been credited in righteousness and holiness of the truth. 
Peter tells us, he says, I'm going to call you obedient children, not because you earned it, because Jesus did. And that's the way the Father sees you. Now as obedient children, children of obedience, put off that former that lusting life. I mean, why do we lust? Because we're broken in sin naturally. Because naturally we're children of wrath. Naturally we're separated from God. Naturally we're going to pursue anything we can to fulfill the broken vessel in which we are. And now we've been made new and we, we are clean and we are cleansed and we're new creations in Christ. And the call is, put off the old and be obedient. Pursue me. Pursue, put on the new self and walk in obedience. And the way we do that is a call to holiness. In verses 15 and 16, we see this call to holiness. And it begins really by looking at the reality because he says, listen, because I'm holy, you are to be as well. The holiness in light of the one who calls. And, and we, we can't leave here without looking at this beauty, beautiful God who's so gracious. Listen, lean into this gracious God because here's what it says to us in verses 15 and 16. It says, the one who is holy has called us. And we are reminded that the one who is holy in verse 1 has chosen us. Not only has the one who has wholly chosen us, but he has also called us. And we see in verse 3 that the one who is holy has both called us and chosen us, or chosen us and called us. He has caused us to be born again. It is all his work. It is all of God. And in verse 5, the one who has chosen us, the one who has called us, the one who has caused us to be born again. In verse 5, it says this, he is the one, the power of God that protects us. Does it sound like it's all the work of God? Does it sound like this is grace, grace, God's grace? It is all grace. It's all in God. The one who called you is holy. In Leviticus 11, as they're wandering through the desert, I mean, Moses wants them to be very clear with who they are and who God is. And in Leviticus 11, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20, I'm just going to read 11. In verse 44 and 45. God says this to his own people. How gracious. For I am the Lord, your God. Consecrate yourself, therefore. I mean, basically, therefore, set yourself apart and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make for yourself anything unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on this earth. For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy. Why? Because I am holy. And again, I I really believe that Peter had this Exodus motif as he is writing to those who were dispersed, God's people who were waiting for the promised land to come of glory and of heaven. And he's reminding them, be holy because God is holy. And what God said to his people was this. Listen, don't act like those behind you in Egypt. They weren't mine. And they didn't act rightly. And don't act like those in which you're heading to in Canaan. They're not mine. And they're not acting rightly. You are mine. And therefore, I have set you apart to be different, to be holy, to be sinless, because I am holy. Isn't it great that God doesn't call us to follow an abstract bunch of rules? He calls us to pursue his own character. We're his children. And we are to reflect the character of the Father. We're to be like 
dad, Abba Father. And because of who He is, we too are to become like that. We are to be holy. It was true of Jesus. He was holy. The exact representation of the Father. Completely tempted in all ways like us, yet without sin, yet different. I was reading in Jonathan Edwards this week, it talked about holiness uh, is, is divine beauty. And I just wrestled with that for a while. I mean, this, this notion of holiness has really gotten a bad rap in, in, in many of our thinkings, or certainly in our community. It, it's, it's, you know, it's sour, it's set apart, it doesn't seem very fun, it's just morose. But not to God. I mean, to God, holiness what He's called us to and what He's calling us to is a reflection of who He is in its true beauty. And I couldn't help but think about how much we spend on beauty products. How much we spend on external beauty that will fade away. And God says, no, pursue true beauty. Pursue holiness. You see, holiness is the purpose of our calling. God has cleansed us. It says He's cleansed us through the blood of His Son. Uh, he has set us apart. But holiness is, is our goal. Holiness is our point. Holiness is, is where we're going. Now, now listen. By God's grace, we are who we are. And what, this is what this picture is. We are God's children. By God's grace, we have been justified. The payment of our sin has been paid. We have been cleansed. We are being sanctified. And there's a sense where we have been sanctified in Christ. We have been adopted into his family. But you know, there's more to come. And that's what the people here were longing for. There there was something called glorification. That when they will no longer be able to sin. And this is what John says. You see, holiness is a purpose of our calling. And and look at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 says this. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. The Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And I love what it says next. And that is what we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Listen, beloved, now we are children of God. Now we are. It's not when He comes again we'll be children of God. Now, Christian, now you and I are truly children of God. As he would say, children of obedience. And it has not yet appeared as, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we will be like him. God calls us to holiness. He says, listen, be holy because I am holy. And I've made you my child. And someday you will be like me in holiness. Now, not perfect holiness. Like there's always a separation between the creator and the creation but no longer able to sin. That is where we're going. Our goal is to be like Him. Our goal is holiness. And then it says in verse 3, and everyone who has this hope, and listen, I, I, I think our palate is so thin with this hope of holiness, but it says everyone who has this hope, we're fixing our eyes. We're fixed on Him who purifies to purify us as He is pure. Orangewood, our call today is to be obedient children, to get ready for action, to gird up the loins of our minds, to be balanced, and to hope for what is to come. As obedient children, to put off the old and put on the new, we should be different. And as God has called us to be holy, 
because of who he is. That is our purpose and our goal. It says, it says holiness and our total being. The way Peter writes it this way is in verse 15. But the Holy One, doesn't it sound a little bit like Isaiah? The Holy One who called you, be holy. I mean, Isaiah using that term, by the way. Be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Holiness in your total being. Listen, to whatever you do, whatever you hand finds to do, do for the glory of God. Whatever you do, no matter where you go tomorrow, no matter what contract you're negotiating, no matter what you find yourself doing, and tomorrow might be bad because maybe you're on vacation tomorrow with a spring break, but that's good too. No matter what you find to do, God has called you to do it in a manner different, separate in the world. Be different. You are different. And therefore, we should think differently. We should speak differently. We should love differently. We should walk in a manner differently. We are called to holiness. Not so the world will say, oh, look at how holy they are. But they'll say, wow, there's something about them that points to God's holiness. You see, he has called us out of darkness, Peter would say, so that we can proclaim his excellencies to this dark world. And the way we proclaim his excellencies is when we shine in his light. Because the world is dark. And in all we do, God has called us to holiness. Listen, what God has separated, Satan wants to blur. He wants to blur the distinctions. He wants you to think like your neighbors who don't know Christ. He wants you to behave like your neighbors who don't know Christ. He wants there to be very little difference if none. That's his success for him. And, and, and it's Paul, Peter himself who will say in 1 Peter 5 that we need to be sober. We need to be on alert because Satan is prowling around looking for those to devour. we got to be different. We should be peculiar, unusual, holy people because we reflect him and he is holy. And, and, I, and, and the church so often just says, no, it'll just be a little bit different. We kind of want to accommodate this world that feels comfortable. Man, I had to do a lot of repenting this week. Can you tell? That God has called you to this holiness. He's called you to this separation. He's called you to think and to act and to love radically different than those who haven't been set free. I said, God, there's so little difference. Holiness in our total beings. And, and, and you've got you to gotta hear this last point. It's this. What God requires... God provides. What God requires, God provides. What God requires, God provides. He requires holiness because He is holy. The one who calls us is holy. How did He provide for us? He provided for us with His only begotten Holy Son who was sinless. And yes, He did become sin so that we could become the righteous and love God, but there's more. He's provided us his spirit of holiness. Look at 1 Peter uh, 2, one chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. Those of us who are chosen, scattered aliens, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ. What grace. What grace. Here's, here's, here's what God says. Listen, holiness is what I require. Holiness is what I demand of my people because I am holy and you are not, but I'm going to provide for you one who is. 
And his work will be sufficient. And that's why the writer of Hebrews can say in, in, in Hebrews 10, verse 14, through one sacrifice, he has made forever perfect those he is making holy. And you got this juxtaposition of those of us who are forever perfect and yet being made holy in Christ and what he has done. We are perfected and we are being made holy through the work of the Spirit because what God provi- requires, God provides. Wow. What now? What now, Orangewood? It's a call to action. It's a call to action to gird up the loins of our minds to say, let's don't let the world knot it up. It's called to obedience. God calls us children of obedience. Don't live that same way. Don't go to the same sites on your computer. Put them, put them off. Put them to death because the spirit that lives inside of you wants to purify that temple. And listen, we have the power of the resurrected Christ inside of us. The power to say no to all godliness. And the power to turn toward righteousness. And we've got to walk in that spirit and say no to all unrighteousness. That's God's call because we're God's people and we reflect who he is. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, it's, it's a tough message to preach because I feel so hypocritical sometimes. I mean, just my life isn't holy as it should be. And God, I want to start by saying I'm sorry. And God, just acknowledging, I don't even see all the junk, but what I see, I know that there's been a blurred distinction between my life and the world's. And Father, you have purchased us through the blood of your own Son. We have an inheritance that's imperishable. We have a standing with you that that is just unbelievable. And how in the world can we resolve not to live as obedient children? But oh, how we are prone to wander. Father, I pray that you would truly, through your spirit, call us to holiness so that we could be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Not for us, but for you. And oh, how we delight in being yours. It's in Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen.